When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist, and this week we have two special episodes of the show for you folks, both focused on the upcoming comedy film, Coming to America. Yes, with the number two in the title, so you know it's the sequel. On this episode, we're sharing a recent interview we had with one of the stars of the highly anticipated sequel, Jermaine Fowler. For those unaware, Coming to America picks up 30 years later after the end of the original film with Eddie Murphy's Prince Akeem discovering that during his trip to Queens three decades ago, he might have fathered a son, Lavelle, played by Fowler. From there, obviously, hilarity ensues. We spoke to Fowler about his breakout role in Coming to America, what it's like stepping into one of the most anticipated comedy sequels of all time, why he's really trying to get a Fifth Element spinoff film in development, and his love of Tim Burton shit, as he puts it. Needless to say, our conversation runs the gamut. And as I said, this is just our first of two episodes this week talking about Amazon's coming to America. Stay tuned for our next episode later this week where we talk to director Craig Brewer about sequels and his idea for an Eddie Murphy cinematic universe. But before I throw it to our Jermaine Fowler interview, you should know the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. So without further ado, here's our interview with Jermaine Fowler, where I'm joined by my regular co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farber. Enjoy. I want to welcome actor-comedian Jermaine Fowler to the Playlist Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So first, I want to go back to that moment you were asked to be part of Coming to America too. How fast did you say yes? Oh, dude, um, <laughs> that was a very fast yes, but was still curious about how they were going to execute the, the sequel. Uh, you guys are probably around my age, so like we, I think we've grown up with nothing but remakes, reimaginings, rehashings, oh, yeah. and stuff. But you, it's, it's very easy for people to get it wrong because the people who made it special, the original so special, aren't involved. And it just feels hollow, feel like cash grabs. This was not the case. I got a call that Eddie was coming back, Arsenio was coming back, John Amos was coming back, uh, who else? Uh, Sherry Headley, uh, did I say Arsenio? Uh, Louis Anderson, like everybody was coming back. And that was that, that right there. I was like, I'm gonna be a part of the, this is the best situation to be in. I'm a part of the right movie um, at the right time. And uh, I just was excited to get to work. And Eddie's just, this movie means just so much to me. I mean, it means so much to the world. So I, I'm, I'm so happy Eddie and like the crew were so hands-on with the script and like the, uh, the, the from the costumes, everything was just so hands-on with everybody. And they knocked it out of the park. So uh, what was the process like? Like, yeah, you got the phone call asking to be part of it, but did you like have to audition? Like, was it, you know, did you have to suck up a lot to Eddie? Like, what was nah, it? Nah, man, I ain't got to audition no more. Talking <laughs> <laughs> about, man. Uh, they hit me up on Instagram. Uh, wow, really? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, this, this is what happened. So this is what happened. Uh, I 
did my audition with Craig Brewer. And we, no joke, we talked about barbecue for 45 minutes. And it, that's a long conversation about barbecue. Yeah. But when you love barbecue, it's not that long. Uh, he's from Memphis, I'm from DC. We were just talking about our food and our culinary, you know, staples and stuff. And uh, at one point I forgot while I was there, why I was there. And I almost left until he said, oh, wait, the audition. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came back, <laughs> did the audition the way I wanted to do it. There, I, you know, When it comes to sides, I just kind of sh- scratched a lot of it out and make it my own. And so that's what I did. And the audition went well. I didn't think I'd get it, you know? I really never, I don't do well in auditions. I think I'm such a contrarian. But it's an, it annoys people. <laughs> um, I think I did one audition a while back uh, for Showtime for um that stand-up comedy show on showtime with uh mm. going up was that what it was called no it was a period it was like it took place jim carrey one no wait yeah like he was a producer it was like the 70s yeah what was it called i think it was called the going up or something maybe i don't know i don't remember it was there was a stand-up show on showtime and uh one of the producers hated me she gave me this look because i wouldn't <laughs> i because i didn't want to do like black jive talk I didn't want to do it. It just I hate that. Like I just like it just feels so antiquated. But it is a period piece, so like the times do call for it. But I didn't I didn't want to do it. So I just kind of etched that from <laughs> the the sides. And so when I when I when I was leaving, everyone said, like, Good job, Jermaine. And I was like, all right, y'all have a good one. And this lady was just like mugging. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And so I, I thought I didn't think I'd get coming to America because I thought I took too much of a chance with making making the character my own, which is what I hired to do. So anyway, um, the, my agents got back to me and said, you have a callback. And I said, get the F out of here. Okay. Um, can I curse, by the way? Yeah, go for Whatever it. Whatever you want. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. All right. I love to curse. So um, I said, fuck yeah. And uh, I go back in to the audition and um, Craig was there. But Craig said, Jermaine, do not think of this as an audition. This is more of a, a, sh- a workshop. And I just went, sure, <laughs> okay. I don't know what that mean. What that mean, you know? And he said, we're gonna, you know, you're gonna do your your scenes, and then, you know, there's some notes I have or thoughts I have. We're gonna go back and rework them out and do them again. And I hate that because you've prepared something for them to see. And if you don't like it, just tell me you don't like it. I don't want to on the spot kind of rework weeks of preparation. You know what I mean? It's just hard. If I was on set, I'd be like, oh yeah, I can do that. Cause there's some comfort there, but when you're on a spot, I just like, I'm like, all right, you know, so I did my first scene, did my second scene and I finished. And Craig said after my audition, he said, um, you know, it's thank you, Jermaine, but it's very rare that an actor does everything you want on the first take. And I went, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. And I didn't want to ruin the moment. So I was like, all right, have a good one. And I threw my mic out and like ran out of the building and I, I didn't even get out to the, the, the you know the first step of the outside of the building before I started crying um it's just 15 years of this shit I've been doing this and like on this type of movie you know it's coming to America so much like built up and I just like crying because like it's just, I just been through so much and you know my family's been through so much and this movie means so much to us so I just felt so good but I didn't get the call from my agent or my manager that I got the role I got it from Boots Riley I'm sorry oh about nice that. yeah yeah this nigga, he called me and said, uh, he said, uh, hey, Jermaine, I um, just want to let you know uh, you might be having some good news coming your way. I'm like, 
are you a producer? What are you, what are you t- like? What are you, what are you talking about? And he goes, I'm at the All Black Film Festival <laughs> in Miami, and a lot of the producers from Coming to America are down here talking about you at, from Paramount. And I'm like, wow, okay, cool. So my manager and my agent gave me the actual news uh, the next day. I had to pretend like it was new, like fresh news that I'm hearing for the first time. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Okay, <laughs> you know. And but it was Boots who told me the news, and it was it was a good call, man. Well, well I mean, now they know. Yeah, but even then, you got you got the the nerves out of it. You heard from Boots, and you're like, okay, cool. So when they call you, you can act like not like a fanboy. You can act like you know, I've been there before. Yeah, you know that was it's funny. My vibe. I, I wear my heart on my sleeves, so like, I don't try to act like something I don't act like. You know, like if I'm excited, I'm gonna be excited. Like you know, unless <laughs> unless like I don't want to embarrass myself or anything like that. But like I don't like if something excites me, I'm gonna just yell and scream and kick you know what I mean that's who I am but this is different this is coming to America I'm like if I'm not excited about this movie like then why should anyone else be you know so it's just different this movie means just everything to me and it just getting that news meant everything to me so it was it was a great day yeah within the movie itself you know a big part of the film is Lavelle like worried about living up to his like princely duties and on a meta level, you must have been a little like concerned about having to somehow you know live <laughs> up to the, the standard of the original and telling jokes opposite Eddie Murphy. And I know he was a big influence on you and your stand up. So at what point are you just like, okay, I can relax here because I would have been going out of my mind with Eddie Murphy standing right there. So that correlation you just made with that question uh, was very, very fresh. Um, no one's asked me that question or even made that distinction before. So I, I appreciate that. Um, Cause there are, there were moments where I was like, am I doing it right? <laughs> am, I, am I doing it right? Is, does Eddie like it? Or, you know, does, does Craig like what I'm doing? And they never gave me any, any notes really. You know, there were times when they were like, all right, give me a different take on, you know, this, this scene or, you know, give me something else. Or what Craig would say sometimes to me is um, um if, if, if I'm, if I'm going too hard with a particular moment or like a line, he'll tell me after the take, um, take some butter off the toast or put more butter on the toast, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, you know, culinary stuff. Going back to the barbecue. <laughs> Can you, by the way, some, there's a big garbage, garbage truck outside. Can you hear it? Those it's bastards. fine. It's fine. All right. So, um, like, <laughs> um, don't so, they yeah. know who you are? <laughs> Let me close the window. Hold on. I had the window open because I had this turtleneck and I'm hot as shit, but who cares? <laughs> Goddamn suburbs, man. <laughs> you move from the city because it's too loud. You come here, it's like, it's just as loud. Yeah. Um, but nah, um, I, there was a little bit of that, you know, but you know, it, it all kind of goes away. It would come but and it's go. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> the, the first, me and Eddie's first day together doing a scene was the day we were um, doing a, a scene at a church and um, everything sort of bubbled up to a particular line that I had to yell at him. I had to scream at Eddie Murphy, my hero. And um, part of me was like, do I want to give him, you know, the, the Denzel Washington fences sort of like, do I want to yeah. go there? Or do I want to play it safe? I want fences. So <laughs> I yelled at Eddie, like I yelled at Eddie and part of me was like, I yelled at him and I went, <laughs> I kind of like, you know, 
And then after that take, I kind of saw Eddie kind of like take that in and it moved him to do his line the way he wanted to do it. And I'm like, all right, we got the level. We got the mm-hmm. level. Um, and after that take, the yelled cut. And one of Eddie's homies um, looked at me and gave me a and thumbs <laughs> up. And I went, yes, yes. And I'm like, that's good. All right, cool. That's where I'm at. That was our first scene together. And I think that was very like, just a, a very telling of like, you know, how um, welcoming he is for what I want to bring. And it, it, that, so a lot of that anxiousness kind of just kind of just brushed off of me after that, after that. But then there'd be some days where it was like, all right, this is a new day. What am I going to bring? And you just wonder like, you know, if, if you know, uh, the director and, you know, uh, Eddie is enjoying it. But I just, one day I just had to give myself credit. I was just like, dude, you, you're on coming to America. Chill out you know uh, <laughs> you're like you're here for a reason this is your purpose and uh you can kind of just like do what you want to do do what makes you 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 know and I did and that's kind of the correlation I think you're making with the movie it's like at one point in the movie with those characters kind of like having a cry it's like what am I doing here you know and then he's like oh let me chill out let me just be my let me let me, let me just do what makes me me and make my own mark and that was what I got hired to do. Um, and then after we wrapped, it was like a, maybe two years, a year and a half before I actually saw the film, where I was like texting Rob, one of Craig's assistants, my homie Rob Smith. You know, I was like, yo, Rob, is the movie good? Like, he was like, he would fuck with me. Like, he'd just be like, man, you're terrible. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck you, man. And I'm like, well, seriously, is it good? <laughs> you know? And he told me it was good. And I finally saw it. And I was like, I'm good. This is good, man. I, I was actually very proud of myself and the role and what I did with it. And um, I did everything I wanted to do. I did everything I wanted to do with that role. And I, I gave 110% of my, my thought and my, my, my care and my effort into it. So there was nothing I, I thought I could do better. Uh, nothing I, I thought I could change. I'm very like 100% like, so like, I love it. So you weren't worried that they were going to spend fifty million to CGI you out of everything and secretly <laughs> hire somebody else to read your scenes? I had a friend who had to do that. Like he did a, a Coca Cola commercial, and uh, as a human being, as a as a as a man with skin on his face, right? And uh, they had to CGI him out. They didn't even CGI it. They just like drew a, a polar bear over his face. <laughs> yeah, and kept his voice. I don't know why it's just so offensive. So they did that to my friend. His name's Danny Jollis, if you're ever thinking about it. Danny Jollis <laughs> did a Coca-Cola commercial or Pepsi. Which one has the has the polar bears? Is it it's Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. It's Coca-Cola. Right. Yeah. yeah, so fuck Coca-Cola. Uh, <laughs> they drew my homie out of the commercial and drew a bear over his face. And I was I wasn't worried that was gonna happen. I was just uh I was just I was more just so thinking about the original. I was yeah. like, it's going to, you know, stand alone from the original. It's going to be a proper sequel. That's it. Because I knew what I did was good. Like, I just knew. Like, I was very confident in what I did. But I wanted to know, like, if everything felt good. Like, if, th- if this was, like, something people were going to, like, love and, like, you know, uh, be as impactful as the original. Like, all that stuff w- went through me. And I just wanted to see it. So I saw it twice on New Year's Eve. I think um, before Christmas or something like that. And it was such a warm feeling that I had just seeing 
Eddie reprised Randy Watson and Clarence and Arsenio. <laughs> like everybody came back and like, like I like how you're giggling. Like that's how I felt. I was giddy the entire movie. I was like, Dee! like it was just that. <laughs> and I think that's what people are going to feel when they watch it. You know, I think everyone's going to just feel relieved and laugh and share these moments with their families. Generations are going to come together and just and laugh and just have a good time. And it's going to be a reunion, I believe. Yeah, we were talking about it before this, and we were, we some of us just got done watching it. We're like, yeah. it's so delightful. Like the movie is all of the joy that the original has. It kept that. It didn't bring any cynicism to it that a lot of modern sequels would. It's yeah, so mm-hmm. they discount great. they discount a lot of the fans, and I, I, sometimes I don't think it's fair when and uh, uh, a sequel discounts people for liking something that made them. Listen, when I go to a movie, th- when I go to a movie, I do that to. One day, my dad kicked me out of the house, and it was a it was a terrible day. I was like 17, 18. My dad kicked me out of the house. The first thing I did was go see King Kong. That's the first thing. Peter Jackson's King Kong. That's the first thing I did. That movie's long as shit. Yeah, that'll kill some, like three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wasn't. <laughs> so. I was homeless, but for three hours I wasn't. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that so thank you, Peter Jackson, for your runtime. Um, it was uh, that. So think about that. If you're doing a sequel, you can't shit on the fans who one built that up and supported it, and it's spoken. Of the, you can't do that. So I think you respect the fans, um, but also you just let it grow let the story grow organically you know Akeem is not he's not a bachelor anymore he's got three daughters and uh, an, an estranged son and he, he's got a family um and a, and a kingdom to uphold he's not the same guy he was and I think once you embrace that growth and that natural progress that we all have to embrace you have a great story and that's what they did with the sequel I think and I think it's just got to feel it's got to feel truthful. You got to embrace that truth. That's where good, the best comedy comes from. And I think this one did a great job at embracing that, man. And the, the inclusion and the uh, the representation in this film with, you know, including African singers and African art and African clothes, uh, you know, the, everything from Ruth Carter to Fatima, everyone did a great job of really expressing what they loved about the original and just expanding it for the sequel, man. That's all they did. The expansion was just so beautiful to see, man. And really quick, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing our due diligence if we didn't ask about stuff you got coming up. I mean, we, we know you're in uh, Tignataro's film, Am I Okay? That's going to production soon. Also announced you're doing a voice for the upcoming Disney Channel Marvel series, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. But let's be real, as fun as that is, when are you debuting in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? <laughs> When you're going to be in the next Avengers, what else is on the horizon? <laughs> so I, um, I appreciate you asking me that. Uh, I feel like in this day and age, um, the, 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 we, we just don't get too many surprises anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, minus COVID. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about like cinematic surprises. Like as far mm-hmm. as like everyone knows what you're going to be doing. Everyone knows what this movie's about. Even the trailers give away so much about. So sometimes I like to try to keep those things at bay and don't really, I don't want to like explain so much, like, but I'll say this, um, everything that I'm developing, I'm super proud of and everything's just different. I told myself after coming to America, I want to show my range and really dive into um, things that aren't comedic 
things that are pretty heavy and dark and i want to just act my ass off uh <laughs> i love what steve carell has done i love what what he's come from i love robert pattinson what he's come from from being a fucking vampire to really shedding all that away to really be taken seriously as an actor and now he's batman the irony is funny um and then you got uh, uh who else uh even kurt russell like he started off in network shows like needs you know superior donuts um and he had to, he wanted to sort of like just team up with john carpenter to build you know just a, a different phase in his career and that's where i'm at right now is building a different phase a new phase in my life and my career and i really just want to embrace that growth and that's where it kind of comes from so right now i just really just embracing that curiosity of what stories people are afraid to tell what people don't want to tell um i'll be honest with you one thing i really want to do is beyond the marvel cinematic universe i really want to tell uh a story to um i want to tell a story about ruby rod from fifth element uh I am a genius. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> so right. I want to do that so bad because that that's where my head is at. Is like I want to take cult, like classic favorite characters, or stories, and movies, and like really, like kind of really go in a different direction and like you know really expand on what what you know fan favorites were like Ruby Rod and like you know that's shit like stuff like that. I really want to like and, and Freakazoid. Like I love Freakazoid. Like who doesn't? But I'm saying, like, there's so many things I grew up with. I'm such a weirdo. Like, I never really liked the things I was supposed to like. I was always into the cult stuff and, like, you know, um, different genres that were, like, you know. When, when I tell people Sleepy Hollow is my favorite movie, they get weirded out. They're like, what? I'm like, I like Tim Burton shit. I love gothic shit. Uh, the Rock is, like, my favorite, like, action movie. Like, Hell yes. Yeah. Oh. So that's shit I want to do. Like, I want to bring that feeling back. I miss that John Carpenter sort of, like, you know, uh, iconoclastic, you know, I want to, that's shit I'm into right now. Um, I love Marvel movies, but sometimes like that schedule kind of takes up your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to keep my life open to, you know, expanding and like doing the stuff that I'm truly passionate about first. And I want to offend people. I want to offend everybody. I want to, <laughs> so I love Chappelle and I love everything Pryor did and Eddie did. Like I want to make people laugh at themselves again. So I want to find stories that um, really walk that edge uh, that I think is there is is so it's just missed to me. Um, anyway, there's so much I want to do. There's so much I want to do, and so many people I want. I want to open doors for people. I want to open doors for people from my hometown in Hyattsville. I want to inspire everybody. I want people to just do what they want to do and not feel afraid anymore. Like I want people to feel like empowered to go do the thing that they want to do, man. And I definitely want to do stuff that um, people don't expect me to do. That's awesome. So I snake. await the Ruby Rod movie Kickstarter. Yeah. And you will throw some money skin. that yeah. way. Yeah, man. I'm dead yeah. serious about that. Like, I, we're, oh. getting, we're getting the combo started about that. I think that'd be the funniest. I think that'd be the funniest thing, man. For real. Well, yeah. So uh, it, it, we got to wrap up here. But uh, I want to say for people out there, definitely check out Coming to America March 5th on Amazon. But also Judas and the Black Messiah, speaking of expanding your range. And mm -hmm. thank you, Jermaine Fowler, for being part of this. This was a really fun conversation. Uh, thanks for having me, y'all. I appreciate yeah. it. Have Thank a good you. one. You too. Shout out to Milwaukee. Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>